Welcome to an episode of Leah and the Internet. I hope you enjoy the show. Leah and the Internet is a podcast with rotating guests who discuss the impact of the Internet on the way we participate in the world. So who is Leah Devin Sorrentino? I'm an artist from New Jersey, living in San Francisco. On today's episode, guest host Georgie Gibbs expresses her love of Taylor Swift as we discuss the online personalization of celebrity fandom. We also examine if the internet has made it okay for women to be fat, or is it creating false body positivity, and what does this all mean for women's equality? If you haven't already, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at and the internet, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Leah and the internet. So I have Georgie Gibbs here with me, and Georgie, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. I am originally from South Dakota. I live in San Francisco. I'm a school librarian. I have a master's in library and information science which means I'm a master of all information. <laughs> Everything on the internet is my realm. Awesome. Where can people find you online? They can find me, most interestingly, on Instagram. GeorgieGirl84. That's me on Instagram. <laughs> were, you, were you possibly born in 1984? That's a strong possibility. I always wondered how Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift 13 on Twitter? Like, was there just 13 other Taylor Swifts? Probably. She got in there late in the game. <laughs> there were already thir- But she also is so powerful that why doesn't she, she just, buy... just be Taylor Swift? Yeah. Like, you'd think she'd be able to pay Instagram off for yeah. that. Taylor Swift's uh, whole internet presence has been so dominant and so crucial to her being a celebrity. Um, yes. It's like it's far surpassing her as just a performer. I mean, she started off with country music. And to start us off with our first topic, which is how fandom has changed with the inception of the internet and how our relationship with celebrities has become like much more intimate. There's this weird thing that we expect possibly more of these people because we feel that the relationship's more personal yeah. than previously thinking about celebrities as deified gods. That you saw in magazines and on movie the posters. Screen. That was the yeah. only access that you had to that. Yeah, and now we know so much more about their lives. Recently, there was some viral content about one fan for I don't know the concerts the tour is it like 1989 or something like yes that? That is <laughs> exactly right <laughs> the year and, of her birth yeah and maybe, the year of our savior <laughs> <laughs> we're starting a new religion I mean, I, she's already started it yeah. online uh, why don't you describe a little bit about this sweater that has now become famous because of Taylor Swift. Yeah, well, she posted it. Like, she has her own website that she also takes care of that is, like, very... And like, a really active You have Tumblr, to be a right? member of it. Yeah, Tumblr is a big thing for Taylor, too. She she has her fingers in a lot of different <laughs> places. But she posted this picture of her wearing a sweater with her own picture yeah, on it. Yeah, somebody knitted. Someone knit a sweater for her, gave it to her mother at a concert, and then Taylor wore it on her social media. But no one knew where the sweater had come from. Yeah, it was wasn't just she a like fan. looking for it? Yeah, she was trying to find out who this sweater, who had made this sweater. I thought this was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, it was the celebrity looking for the fan, mm-hmm. which is kind of bizarre to think about that we live in a world where because you can become connected to anybody. Here's something like I remember thinking in The Simpsons, like I, there was a specific episode where Abe Simpson kept writing letters to celebrities and had like all of these like, <laughs> what's it, restraining orders because he was like, <laughs> right, because to get to a celebrity... If you could actually make contact with them, you had to go through, like, some crazy hoops. Yes. So, again, like, like there was a detachment. 
And now it's to the point because of the internet that we can not only interact with them on a one-to-one level, but a celebrity can decide to reach back out to one of us. Also, I'd like to talk about how long it must have taken a human being to knit. It took her eight months. (laughs) And it was the first sweater she ever made. What? She had never made another sweater. (laughs) And she never will again. Probably not. Why would you? You've already knit the best sweater and we learned so many like intimate details about the situation because of how it was posted on tumblr i read it the the passage on tumblr where she wrote out that she met her she met taylor swift's mom Mm -hmm. that's incredible wrote a handwritten letter which is like who writes handwritten letters anymore attached it to this eight month long sweater (laughs) and then was able to get it to like to her mom because she saw this is what's crazy to me is that she went to Taylor Swift's concert both nights the first night recognized her mother like saw her mother in the crowd and was like that's Taylor Swift's mom like you are very famous if people know who your mom is like that's a whole other and you can think about this like with the Kardashians too and I'm sure that they're going to come up later in this discussion of (laughs) fandom they come um, up in every discussion. <laughs> but if you're famous at this point, your whole entourage is up for exploitative content. And who really benefited more from this sweater situation? Was it Taylor or was it the fan? Taylor. There's been several scenarios where she has made herself look so altruistic because of her social media presence. Yeah. My big question now that I've been... I'm a very... I'm a Swifty. I'm a very big Taylor <laughs> like Swift like Swift, Swiftie answer. <laughs> yeah. But I am becoming a little jaded. And I don't know if she is as altruistic as she portrays herself to be. Like, is she the... I, I mean, don't she's know. She's have a team that does this, right? There has to be. I don't... I don't think she's a genuine... And maybe that's just, like, a mean girl thing of me. Like, oh, she can't be that nice. <laughs> There's no way. But I just, I don't know. Is it all an act? Regular people can become sensationalized. Celebrities can seem to to portray themselves as regular people, which makes them more empathetic. And then the internet does this weird thing where we can take inanimate, fictitious characters and build them up into actual stories that make the news. And what I'm hinting at is <laughs> is the, the Miss Piggy Kermit breakup. And it's, it's a weird transition, but if you think about Taylor Swift has gone beyond being a person and being a brand a, a brand and a character and things that we expect like we expect it taylor to be nice and we expect her to be good and she creates this whole online presence that helps propagate that mm-hmm. and then there's things that be that were pre-internet that we had like foundational moral attachment to like Miss Piggy and Kermit's relationship that even though we saw it's through the Muppet show its flaws we anticipated it being this like solid thing right the Muppets decide to tear apart something that we traditionally thought is this like really solid foundation which was the relationship mm-hmm. of Miss Piggy, Piggy and Kermit <laughs> and first I thought it was a rumor I think that in the past it would have been like maybe this funny goofy story they did on the Today Show like, in the last hour of the yeah. Today Show, like, with Kathy Lee and Hoda. Like, while Al is doing yeah, the weather or right. They'd be like, did you hear that Kermit and Miss Piggy broke up? But now, it was that. It started as that. But then social media made it into, like, an actual real story. Like, as real as John Hamm and his girlfriend breaking up. And I thought it was a farce. Well, it is a farce because these aren't real <laughs> right. people. Right. And that's what's so difficult when you think about these type of things is... Taylor is a real person, but we don't think of her as real. 
because like what you're saying is like that some somebody can't be this good and then we take these unreal things and because they've been so real in our lives in a less fluid way but then we add the fluidity of the internet and we associate their breakup with the same as like a celebrity and and i thought at first because remember around the time that the miss piggy and kermit split i can't believe i'm talking about it like it's a real thing do you remember where you were when well at that time, it was when everybody was saying that Will Smith and Jada yes. Pinkett Smith were getting a divorce. And it became incredible viral content. I remember actually sending yeah. you a, <laughs> yes. a Facebook message like, I can't handle this. And then by the end of the day, Will Smith went on his Facebook page and was like, everybody no. chill out. I'm not leaving my wife. And it was almost like, did the producers of the new Muppet show think like, I know how to generate buzz for our new television I show? I never even thought of that. They do have a new Muppet show coming out. They absolutely do. People.com showed pictures of Kermit's new girlfriend, who's also a a sexier version of Miss Piggy. And she doesn't even look like a traditional Muppet. No, she has, like, I don't know how to say this. It's like slantier eyes. Yeah, she's like, she's like, <laughs> like a, she's supposed to be like an Asian pig. Ethnic? I don't yeah, know. It's so bizarre. And then. Now Miss Piggy is supposedly dating... Josh Groban. (laughs) And so then, is Josh Groban going to be on The Muppets? It's so weird how relationships with celebrities and celebrity entities are built because of how quickly we can get information. And it's not good enough anymore to just... Like, let's take Taylor Swift, for example. It couldn't just be, oh, I have a charity. And us know about her charity. We need to know specifically how she's mm-hmm. impacting every single one of her fans. I think I see all of the time like pop-ups of like, Taylor just wrote a heartfelt text to longtime You'll cancer n- suffering yeah. fan. You'll never believe what Taylor Swift did for a fan. Yeah, like, that's and, always the. And I think that like the with the Miss Piggy Kermit thing, they released that they were splitting up, and then we needed more mm-hmm. because there's you can't just announce like one big thing. And think that it's going to to maintain that relationship. You have to keep giving and giving. But at what point does it make relationships that aren't real seem more real? Like, are they just actually a giant distraction? Or is this, like, the kind of fandom that we've always wanted? I think that everything that Taylor Swift puts on her social media is to distract us from her real life. Everything is perfectly curated and vetted. And it's to distract us from, like how she actually feels and what her personality is actually like. We think that we're more informed and more connected. But we're not. We're inf- They're only giving us the information that they want to give us. Which is what we all do. It Maybe the relationship that we ha- we're having with celebrities is actually mirroring how we interact with one another. Yes. It brings me to... We, I already mentioned the Kardashians. I'm going to bring it back around to Kylie Jenner. Because that type of celebrity would not exist without the internet. Before to become famous, you needed to have some type of skill or something that was a catalyst to that fame. Mm-hmm. Like Princess Diana had royalty. Or Elvis had music. Or Clark Gable. This <laughs> is not my time. <laughs> but you know, there was acting or there was something involved. Like you weren't just famous for existing. You right. had, a, like, a vocation. Yeah. There was <laughs> a reason that you were... There was some type of celebrity pedigree. <laughs> yes. But now, because you can sensationalize just wealth, and you can leverage that to stardom, the Kardashians have built a whole empire on... And everyone says, like, oh, it's because of Kim's sex tape, or it's because... It's Which like, infuriates me. Why does it infuriate Because you? I don't... 
I don't think that was what made her... I, that's not what created this, like, dynasty that they have right now. She could have just had this sex tape and then disappeared. Yeah, like, many other people with sex tapes. Right. Before they, and after her. Yes. Like, we don't... Like, Pamela Anderson hasn't become the Kim Kardashian yeah. of her time but with the her sex tape. I think it's because that sex tape also intersected with the momentum of... Of social media and the internet. Yeah, and... Mm-hmm. The reason that the Kardashians maintain such a, a strong brand and presence and relevance, whether you want to admit it or not, in our everyday lives is because their show is supplemented with so much additional content. So then every part of their existence is able to be dissected and interacted with and... And monetized. And it's specifically Kylie, the youngest of the whole Kardashian-Jenner clan, right? Yes, and arguably the most boring. (laughs) (laughs) There's this weird thing. You need to attach yourself to certain causes or behavior or activity so you can be viewed as a well-rounded person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, nobody wants to think that... Taylor Swift just sleeps on piles of money and, like, <laughs> lays in her bed naked with a guitar. I mean, maybe some people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone definitely does. But because the Kardashians are so ridiculed because of their wealth and kind of frivolousness, this hashtag started that Kylie Jenner tried to do, like, an anti-bullying campaign. And it was, like, hashtag I'm more than... And she encouraged people to say they are more than what they're being criticized for. They're more than what people think of them or expect of them. And it's so interesting that someone like a Kardashian who is so fabricated, is this a cry for help? (laughs) Because the, the funny thing about it is, about the hashtag, is that I don't think she is more than what she's portraying on Instagram. I don't even think that she can be. What is she, 18? Yeah. She That's... just turned 18. Oh, it was like a national holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know about it. <laughs> like, that exact statement is the type of fandom that I don't think existed prior to the internet. Like, Beyonce's birthday. Mm-hmm. Recently, Bay Day. Where uh, everyone celebrated on social media. And the funny, like, so many people were like, oh, I'm going to take the day off because it's Bay Day or everybody <laughs> should get a national holiday. I think the funniest one was um, from the guy from BuzzFeed who does those videos whine about it. Yes. Where he wrote, actually, everybody should have to work twice as hard <laughs> to be as great <laughs> like, as Beyonce on Bay Day. Our relationship is just so much more personal that mm-hmm. we we take things personally, like me being upset about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, us communally being upset about Miss Piggy and Kermit. Phantom has become almost ravenous with how much we want to know about someone, and I don't know why. Like the Beehive is a legitimate, like they're like a special interest group, and like you can't. You can't, like a real beehive, you don't fuck with it. Because it will come for you, and it will be bad. And that, I never could have happened before. Because, like, if you, I mean, there was always well, fan you clubs. Create, like, that type of collective. Right. Like, people had fan clubs, but it was all, like, by letter. Like, how yeah. angry are you going to really get in, like, a letter that takes a week to get? You know what I mean? It's just yeah. not the same, like, immediacy and... Like, the number of people that you can bring together at one time. Well, and if you go to any, like, Kylie Jenner's Instagram, we t- how many followers does she have? We said 44, no. No, it was 34, 34 million. million. Yeah. Taylor Swift, 46. 44 million. Or 44. Yeah. A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Beyonce, let's just say a billion. <laughs> and if 
you were to you can watch people argue within the comment feed. Lady Gaga had to tell her monsters to like lay off of another group because like the the fandoms will duel with each other and then like their queens will have to be like okay cool it like like that is insane i think that we're moving into a world that's more connected than it's ever been mm-hmm. and we're but the message that we're all receiving is about us still being very individualistic so we're in this weird hybrid of we have more people to talk to that have common interest like celebrities Yet, we still don't attack everyday problems. So it's almost like like our celebrity relationships are flourishing in a way that allow us to really negate things that are actually important to us as people. That we're using them to, to quell inner turmoil. Like, if you can find other like-minded people that can care about this tertiary surface crap, and that's what you can bond over, then why do you ever need to take a look at yourself and examine what Mm -hmm. you're actually feeling. Yeah. You shared a link with me about um, Kylie Jenner's beauty regimen, Uh right? And, like, you explained it as being boring. Very boring. And and I get great thrill. Like, I get a great (laughs) thrill from reading about other people's beauty regimen. Like, it's something that I read on a daily basis. And hers was the most boring one that I've ever read. Because... It's all part of her, like, the curation of her life. Yeah. And I also think she's been a celebrity since she was, like, so six years old. That I don't even know if she actually has a personality. Because she doesn't know how to have one that's not super visible. Yes. And it, it's almost like with the internet, because you can become your own celebrity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, normal people can create Instagram pages where they can get up to a million followers. It's... It's almost like this weird mimic theory that's like happening where we're going to read about a boring celebrity and then mimic the boring celebrity. About her real life, like real in yeah. quotation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like everybody is agreeing to become more surface because we're trying to mirror what we all idolize. It's so fictitious and so curated Mm -hmm. that we are now and myself included are now just hyper curated and looking for other people that have our surface interest so then we can talk about if taylor swift is actually really hugging puppies (laughs) for orphans or cats she's a cat person oh excuse me There's a disconnect that's happening between being able to identify like what an actual relationship is like and you you can see that with our celebrity relationships but then there's also like our personal relationships and then our personal opinion of ourselves i think that there's been no time in history that you see as much user-generated content everything else was professionals quote-unquote creating our content for us and then distributing it and we either accepted it or didn't accept it or now there's just a ton of opinions and it's really skewing the way we view everything but specifically the way we view our bodies well because i think the body image like in the past was dictated by what we were seeing in the media like in movies and magazines and television and now we're creating what we see on the internet it's pictures of ourselves it's our own thing our body image is still being dictated by the media but like we're We're doing it i think that everybody knows about buzzfeed at this point (laughs) if you don't i mean i'm pretty sure you didn't download this podcast (laughs) 
accidentally heard it on the bus. <laughs> yeah. Someone with their earbuds too loud. But BuzzFeed, it, it always feels like, and I don't know if this is because of the algorithms like on my Facebook page, but it always feels like it's geared towards people our age. Well, I'm 30, you're 30. I'm 31, full disclosure. 30 and a half. (laughs) But it always feels like it's being dictated towards people our age. It's super centric to being like lazy and like unathletic and really perpetuates like terrible eating habits. Mm -hmm. Uh, One video that sparked this for me was how anybody can make a McGangbang. Every time I say that, I feel I like, know, like this is like a really McDonald's dirty. prison. <laughs> <laughs> like you're getting raped in prison by Ronald McDonald. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and like the Hamburglar and Grimace. <laughs> for, for those who do not frequent McDonald's as often as I do, a McGangbang, which I get nuggets. But anyway, <laughs> a McGangbang is when you take a McChicken and a McDouble, you throw some Mac sauce on it, you put it all together, buns included, and eat it as an entire sandwich. McDonald's has a whole secret menu. I knew about the secret menu for a while. I learned about the McGangbang from a girl named Amanda who has a lot of internet celebrity. Her YouTube channel is uh, Mander and Poo Poo. I highly suggest <laughs> seeing this, but we're gonna me, me and Georgie are gonna dissect this a little bit. She has a video where she orders a McGangbang and they make it. Normally, McDonald's refuses to make the McGangbang for you. You have to get the components yourself. She must have known someone because <laughs> they made the McGangbang for her. She was ecstatic. She didn't invent the McGangbang. No, the McGangbang was like a secret menu thing. Okay. Like I think. Um, in and out Burger has a secret menu, yes. which Polly does. This was like an underground marketing. This, the whole idea of secret menus is like really annoying to me. Why? I don't know. I just hate it. Maybe it's like my brother he'll always be like, have you heard about the secret menu? And I'm like, well, I don't care. Like, I just want to like, <laughs> I just want a regular what's wrong burrito. with the regular menu? Like, this is fine. Well, the secret menu at Chipotle, you can get a quesadilla, but that's another story. <laughs> That's for another podcast, I guess. <laughs> Georgie, you highlighted this to me before the podcast started, and I never thought about it. Is like, so I'm obsessed with watching this Mander girl, and I, when BuzzFeed originally posted the McGangbang video, I was like, yeah, McGang. I've never eaten a McGangbang, but I was like, yeah, pizza and fattening and awesome. And I didn't think about, am I watching Amanda? Because I'm judging Amanda. Like, yeah. Would the video be as funny if she were thin? It's like, she's funny, but yeah. is it funnier because she's a fat person? So then we can be like, oh, look at this fat person eating this disgusting food. Well, and if you think about, like, anytime a girl is overweight, like, what is, like, the joke? Oh, well, she's really funny, though. Like, yeah. It's, it always goes to, like, well, she's got a really great personality. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen a lot of really amazing content and a lot of it is generated by BuzzFeed that celebrates like women having curves or women being big or women being quote unquote average, whatever that means. <laughs> normal. And, yeah, normal. <laughs> and, and or like fashion for plus size girls or and then you're like, wait, that plus size girl's a six. Like I don't yeah. understand. And you think that it's this point of celebration, but then there also becomes this moment of, well, why does all this matter? Like, why are all these conversations so... Are they important? Or are they just showing us how people live? Like, I get confused about how I'm supposed to feel about the content. I don't know. I am, like... I have conflicting feelings. I follow a lot of 
plus size fashion bloggers on Instagram and blogs. And I think it's really refreshing to see someone who looks like me on these blogs and like in the media. But am I really seeing it in, is it really part of the media? Because I'm searching that out. It's like, not everyone is seeing that on their Instagram or on their, their news feeds. Like I am because I want to see people that look like me. But then there's also this like world, like it's okay to be fat if you like have really fabulous hair and you have full yeah, makeup like professional and like makeup and... beautiful clothes and then it's okay but like you can't be a fat person who like doesn't care about their appearance you still have to be super conscious of your appearance because like all the fa- all the the fat bloggers or plus size bloggers always will come like do at least one post about how they exercise they're like, oh, yeah, I'm fat, but don't worry, I still exercise. <laughs> it's like, well, good for you. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, but it's like they need to, like, put that out there so people don't think that they're, that they're lazy or whatever. Yeah. It's, or that they're unhealthy. And then they're, sorry to interrupt, no, but then there become, like, these arguments, too, like, oh, fat people can't use the word, the hashtag curvy, because that's not what being curvy is. Being curvy is, like, having a thin waist but large boobs and a big ass or whatever. And then there becomes this big fight about that too or or about like shaming thin people for being too thin and it, to me like highlighting any of the whether it's the extreme, the regular, the thin, the you're still doing the same objectification. Yes. You're still breaking a woman down to her appearance. Yes. Whether you're saying that plus size appearance is okay, why do I need the validation that you find it okay? Why do we have to talk about our appearance all the time? Like, men don't have similar Instagram accounts and, or blogs. You know, BuzzFeed a while ago did an article about eight real women wearing Victoria's Secret bathing suits. And it was to me it was slightly offensive that thin women are still real women. Attractive women are still real women. And it doesn't necessarily mean that heavy women are actually more real than not heavy women. There was just so much about it that seemed so much more complicated. Like, why do I care what any of these women look like in a bathing suit? Why do any of us have to care about what any of these women look like in bathing suits? And the models wearing the the bathing suits are still real women. They're not like robots. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, this is their chosen profession. This is what they work towards. If this is how they want to spend their day, like that might seem like a waste of time to me, but it's not. Mm -hmm. If I want to spend my day watching Friday Night Lights, eating popcorn off my belly, (laughs) That's what I want to do. And if I want to go to the gym and try to become... I mean, like, I'm five feet tall. I'm never going to be in this. Either way, whether I'm fat or thin. Like, it's like... I think that BuzzFeed... And I think that a lot of um, news engines... And I call BuzzFeed BuzzFeed a news engine. Is trying to do this, like, very inclusive content about, like, body image... I just don't know who it's serving and why it's serving us and why it it gets so popular. And and why is it necessary? There's also the times where the internet reality checks all of this, like, fat love. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it better than... There's a, a whole plus-size fixation. There's the whole butts fixation. There's the curves fixation right now. And just when you think that, like, okay, well, maybe, like, barriers are being broken down and people are being viewed as individuals and they're not being viewed as just their bodies, then a blog will come up that photoshops fat people to be thin. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's like, 
Oh, like, yeah. Like, look how body positive we are. Oh. And then Let's just <laughs> correct that. And then the, the, whatever the website is, Project Harpoon, like, throws this giant wrench yeah, into and the Yeah, and if you uh, haven't got to see this, this Project Harpoon was taking plus-size models and plus-size actresses and then photoshopping them to what they would look like if they were thin. It's incredibly disturbing to think that people have that much time to <laughs> devote to making people feel bad. Some things that I, I think were interesting about it is, one, it's really easy to get caught in your like internet bubble, right? And think that, that things are progressing in a way that are positive for women. Because that's all that you see. Because you've curated your own internet. Yeah. Basically. And then the only way that I found out about this like Photoshop site was because people who are body positive advocates are then going, look at this terrible site. But they're still not acknowledging how many people derived pleasure from all this fat shaming, essentially. It still highlights the problem that no matter what, whether it's body positive or shaming, it's still objectification. Yes. (laughs) At the end of the day nothing has really changed except there are like nice positive moments where you're saying like it is cool to see not just the same people Mm -hmm. uh, as models but it doesn't seem genuine it doesn't seem like they're just like thoughtlessly putting these people into a fashion show or into a, a fashion spread because they're beautiful they're like oh we should include a fat person so that we look like we're body positive yeah it's the same thing with like it's very calculated yes It's it's all like, how can we seem to be the most inclusive? And especially for BuzzFeed, it seems like, how can we cast the widest net possible to generate people to like slowly move into our sphere? The most amazing thing about the internet is that people who are triumphant on it are mostly younger. And it does show a shift in like that young people are genuinely trying to have an impact on the content that's being distributed. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if we're not taking a a good look at why things are successful or not, you might have the best of intentions. Like, I have these great intentions because I want to put quote-unquote regular-looking women into into news feeds and into Twitter, but I'm not going to ever examine the root of why we have come up with this type of beauty standard. And right now, there's like this fetishization that's a word it works for me cool (laughs) of women's butts right big butts are like butts like everybody loves them and they cannot lie it's like it's like true thanks to j-lo i would say j-lo and then it was beyonce and then nikki and big butts are in i don't know if like they're i just i want to give j-lo like the credit to her i was actually (laughs) thinking about this and i was listening to a throwback song with her and ja rule today and i was like you know i'm real that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, JLo is fantastic. She still looks amazing. Yeah. Like, I aspire to look like Jennifer Lopez now at like 45. She's great. She is great. She started the butt avalanche, as it were. Most definitely. I was thinking the other day, I was like, well, with all this more prevalent, like, plus size imagery, will that become the standard of beauty? And then, you know, talking to you right now, it's like, well, this is just what people want women to do and they've historically wanted them to do is like these this is what we're saying is attractive be that Mm -hmm. okay so we're saying that being plus size might be the most attractive thing right now be that having a big ass is the most attractive thing be that i have that yeah Yeah, like having giant lips do that (laughs) and we 
we talked about like Elizabethan time, like shave your hairline back so your forehead looks waist. Yeah. People are cinching their waists again. Like this is a Kardashian thing. They spot they're like sponsors for a waist cinching company, and this is like becoming a trend again. You know, BuzzFeed had an article about like why Asian women bound their feet mm-hmm. originally and or historically have been told like, oh, it was because like petite feet meant that you were really feminine and and beautiful. And then it turned out that it like was something associated with sex. That always. it yeah, always <laughs> it like made men think that like because women's thighs would have to work different because they don't couldn't balance themselves that their vaginas would be tighter <laughs> and the smaller their feet were, the more attractive the woman became and it's like every time I see one of these articles example like 512 what of men not understanding women and like how their bodies work ultimately I see all these articles and I can't feel positive about them they're about body positivity and I don't feel I, I might learn a new fashion trend or I might see something that I find might be cute on me but ultimately, it's about looking attractive. To men. Yeah, it's all about sexualization and, and being attractive to men. And out of all of the social issues that the internet has brought to the forefront and has helped push through, the biggest one that it, it hasn't is equality for women and women's rights and women's issues. And almost to the point where it's like it seems like feminism has taken a step backwards since the introduction of the internet. If you think about... LGBTQ rights, race, refugees. You can think of so many social issues that the internet has made so much more prevalent and have helped build communities around that would never have existed before. Before the internet. But the one thing that we cannot come to a consensus on is gender equality. And that includes like how women view other women and what they say about them. And it's like the power of the visibility of the internet has actually been detrimental. Made it more difficult to be a woman. And what highlighted this to me, Britney Spears has a new show I, uh, on Vegas, not like a television show. Uh, Planet Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Trudy, maybe you can tell us more about it because you're a little bit... I stopped with Britney around Toxic. Toxic was really the beginning for me. Not really. <laughs> but it was definitely a high. I loved Toxic a lot. But Britney had some rough times. As we know, yeah. the head shaving incident, the umbrella beating people with an umbrella. But she's she... still, but she's thriving right now. She has this big new show at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. It is like selling out all the time. Anyone who's anyone has been to Britney's show at Planet Hollywood. And supposedly she's killing it. Yeah, she looks better than she has in years. She is, like, throwing shade at other celebrities in the media, which I think is always a good sign. And people are just, like, really in love with Britney again. But she still is under conservatorship. Like, her dad is still in charge of her and will be, like, for the rest of her. That's crazy. (laughs) But think how much easier it would be to manage your, like, other stuff going on in your life if your dad was, like, still managing all the important things. I mean, yeah, I'd probably have a really rocking bot, too. If, like, someone was managing my millions and, like, making sure I took my pills every day. <laughs> so, Brittany has had, like, this uh, enormous success lately, and everybody's been very proud of her and excited. And then following all of these pictures of her killing it during her Vegas show, everybody was attributing it to her getting good dick. Like, this woman has almost a decade of 
pop stardom, has had two Longer. kids. Longer. Yeah. Has had two kids, like you said, really tumultuous, like, personal life, transparency, that nobody would want to deal with after postpartum and breakups and divorce. She's been criticized for being fat. She's been criticized for being too thin. She's been criticized for being on drugs. She gets it together. She gets it together and becomes a strong woman. The strong celebrity that we all want to build a relationship with, like we talked about earlier. (laughs) And the only credit that we can attribute to this, like... It's Possible a comeback, yeah, is a is a dick. A it's not big old dick. <laughs> like, Jesus, and that's what I thought. And it was it was so many women writing this. Other women were because like how many dudes read that Britney show that like well there were women. mostly gay dudes <laughs> yeah. at the Britney show. I would say so. We we started this with celebrities and our most godlike creatures to us. If they're women. We still cannot give them credit for being strong and powerful. And even that, they, that they're thinking on their own, we have to attribute their success or their well-being, whether good or bad. To a man. Yeah. Even if it's not a heterosexual person, we still think about ways to attribute it. And, and Brittany is, but like, we'll find a way to tear you down it's like or a, not just to like not give you the credit that you that you deserve yeah like remember when uh ruby rose from orange is the new black mm-hmm. that whole meme where it was like a bunch of women changing their sexuality i'm gay for ruby for rose. rose first yeah. of all she was not that attractive <laughs> no <laughs> see i naturally, i naturally go to putting down another woman it's just like it's like ingrained in me I, like i see somebody that someone everyone else says is pretty and i'm like she's not that pretty you go straight for their look yeah, yeah because like that's what i get concerned with like that's what i'm told to judge somebody on even other women were like her value is being attractive so much so that I am going to change my sexuality. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear about her amazing acting. I didn't hear about her breakout role or her like rise to stardom through like grit and perseverance. I heard all about being hot. Yeah, just being a babe. I always try to approach a situation as an individual. I try to approach it as Leah first, then a woman second, and then a white woman third. And maybe I just have it all wrong. Or maybe I have it right. I don't know. I don't think that we get the luxury, women get the luxury of approaching things as individuals. We can't do that. Like, you can think of yourself as an individual and you can go at it from that direction. But then I feel like you're letting down, like, the sisterhood. Like, we (laughs) need to be, like, working together so that we can be on an even playing field. And then maybe we can start, like, going at things as individuals. But we're not there yet. Well, like, we're, like, leaving, like, sisters on the battlefield (laughs) if we are just, like, only thinking of ourselves all the time. Every woman enters a situation where they have to identify themselves within their surroundings. Am I around a bunch of women? If I'm around a bunch of women, I have to think in in a specific calculated way. If I'm around a bunch of men, well, now I have to think about myself around a bunch of men interacting with men. If they're old men, if they're black men if they're white men if they're gay men gay men if they're young men like i'm walking is that man bigger than i am if he is bigger than me what could his intentions be it's like this constant we're constantly assessing how we fit into other people's spaces there was a video that went viral and it was a sorority girl a recruitment video full disclosure i'm a sorority girl (laughs) 
It's a sorority girl recruitment video. And so some context on the sorority video. It was a bunch of very thin, young, uh, white women uh, essentially, like, hanging out of the lake and hanging out at their sorority house and being best friends forever. And there was, like, this fun, campy music that went to it. And it was them hanging out on the football field. And then they're, you know... I think it was for Alabama. It's, yeah, it was Alabama Alpha Phi. It, yeah. it was very typical of what you see when you go yeah, to recruitment in a house. Like, but amplified because it's in the South. The writers of Dawson's Creek couldn't have composed a, a better parody of like a sorority video. And because all the women were attractive, there was like definitely the disgusting comments that men make about attractive young women. That didn't really bother me that much. Because like, it's it, expected. Yeah, like it, <laughs> I wasn't surprised. <laughs> yeah. What became kind of surprising to me is how negative other women became. Not just other women, but self-professed feminists. I'm a feminist because I believe in the equality of genders. <laughs> but when I saw this and I saw all anti- like these women are the antithesis of feminism and they're they're hurting women by by being 19. Yeah, yeah. And, it was like all. they were being accused of being shallow, and it's like they're 20 year old girls. Yeah, and it's like, like the problem <laughs> exists so much earlier that. They're to the point where they they can't even identify as something more than what they are. Is that their fault or is it our collective society's fault? It became the women's fault that they created a video that could possibly be considered sexist. It became the women's fault that men would fetishize these young girls. It became the women's fault that they were letting down other women. Mm -hmm. Like, how is this always our own fault? Like, no, these are just young girls trying to get other young girls that look like them and are interested in the same things as them to be part of their group. Yeah, and like... It it was admittedly very... Like, the, the racial criticism about the video was legitimate but like i was just so offended by the and wait what do you mean like just to... well because there was criti- there was criticism on the internet from people that it was just like very whitewashed and that um there was no racial diversity and, and I was... it was very clear that they weren't trying to get any racial diversity right which is a problem and yeah. that's like an acknowledged problem amongst the greek community and that's like not really news to me it was more news to me that there was like these women who proclaim themselves to be feminists, like criticizing other women for being feminine. I didn't see like a hypersexualized video. I didn't see like them touching each other. I didn't see them objectifying themselves. No, not at all. <laughs> and it, it's, I mean, we kind of talked about this before, like this double-edged sword of, of, of social media and like expectations for women that there, you'll see articles like on BuzzFeed about people being outraged that a girl was sent home for wearing leggings or for wearing a short shorts or, yeah. or a tank top and they're like, oh, we're sexualizing them. But then these girls, we did the exact same thing. And like, these same them. women that yeah. are mad about that were mad that these women in the video were wearing bathing suits. And I do. I do think that there's something to be concerned about. That, like, the priority for women in college is to attract other... like. This has been historically a problem for women in college. It's to make friends. It's to find a husband. It's not to get an education. It's not to work on yourself. All of that criticism, which is just genuine institutionalized patriarchal views on women in education, I'm with you. I was so confused when I because I I saw the video showing up a lot in my newsfeed, probably because I do I was in a sorority and so like I a lot of other sorority girls were like on my newsfeed 
and I, so I saw it showing up a lot. And when I finally watched the video, I was like, wait, why? I expected why? to be like incredibly offended. I thought it was going to be like this very racist like video, like yeah. coming from Alabama and like. The I sorority. was expecting the worst. Like I thought that they were going to be like making out with each other. Yeah, and, like, it was like so benign. It was it was like laughably. And it's and it's almost like you you know what like. Here is like here is an all female production produced by yeah yeah it's produced by women for women starring women and we're like this sucks yeah like, like how dare you be frolicking in the sun how dare you be yeah, a like, woman the only way you're an impactful woman is if you're dressing relatively conservatively or like hyper fashionably being a, a professional and like. It's almost like saying whatever, and we know nothing about these girls. We've made, we've created them into objects. Yeah. And then said that they were wrong for wanting to be who they are. And like, yeah, maybe some diversity training might be cool for their (laughs) like recruitment efforts. And ultimately only showcasing the, the very privileged people that are able to get into the sorority as your only tactic to recruit more sorority members. Yeah, I think that those are fair criticisms, but like saying that your sexuality and your beauty is against women, it just shows how conflicted we are right now about what it means to be a feminist. We're conflicted about what it is to to even be a successful woman. Right, like, we want to be as rich and successful as Oprah, but look like Beyonce, and... <laughs> like, and be as, like, we want to have the wit of Broad City, but, you know, like, the, the lips of Kylie Jenner, it... <laughs> yes. But, like, what I think is so sad is that we think that we can't be all or none of those things. Like, without taking a side. That's what I think all of this has shown me, is I'm supposed to take a side, as a feminist and maybe that's why social media and the internet haven't been as beneficial towards gender equality is because we have shown how fragmented we are as a gender and that we're still allowing uh, a system that we've participated in so long to dictate like we're either like to be a successful feminist is to completely refute the system or to be a successful woman is to play into it and we're so fractured and it's like globally we're fractured like women are oppressed in every civilized society and uncivilized society Mm -hmm. like we are second-class citizens but maybe it's too much to ask for us to ever be one and we're too diverse like the idea that we could be one one group with the same interests and the same goals is maybe too much to ask it might be too much to ask for or it might be unrealistic or it might be that a general definition isn't obtainable because just trying to come up with a definition of being an equal gender can then suppress how somebody else wants to live or exist. I mean, it's I guess it's like a little bit easier when you think about a social issue like um, LBGTQ equality. Like what, what you're asking for is just to recognize... That one aspect of a diverse group of people. People, yeah. yeah. And what... I, I can't even tell you what female equality looks like. All I know is that I don't want to, I don't want it to be assumed that I can't do something or assume that I can just based on my gender. I don't want it to be assumed that I can have kids and I don't want it to assume that I can't be a professional 
or I don't want it to be assumed that I shouldn't have kids because then that means I'm against female equality. Like, it would be nice to just, like, be a person who no one's making assumptions about. Based on, on my gender. But I don't think that that happens even for men. Like, society has expectations for men as well. You know, like, men being, like, providers and being, like, yeah. the breadwinners of their families and being strong and and masculine and... And closed off emotionally. And, and I will never say that, like, I think that men have it as hard when it comes to, like, gender no. perception as women. But I think that the transparency that the internet's created with these other social issues, it's a platform that shows they're just like me, right? Like, you can see same-sex marriage and love and somebody who is in a hetero relationship can be like that's what my love looks like yes you can see like with the refugee crisis like families trying to stick together and like survive and you can imagine you trying to survive your own with family your in that i think what it's hard for me to go i'm afraid of i'm afraid of being raped right and that's a very extreme fear but i don't think that me saying that or showing the visibility of rape victims it's not as easy to empathize with because if you don't have that fear you don't have that thing to look at and be like i can identify with that and and maybe that that's the real divide that they're never that men will never identify to those things well like that hashtag remember last year there was that hashtag on twitter not all men women were posting like actual experiences that they had with this hashtag and then men were like well not all men do that and then that started like this whole this other hashtag but it was like men not being able to relate yeah and because they couldn't relate just dismissing it that's not a real thing because i can't relate to it i think bringing up those hashtags is like a really good point because it highlights that the reason women don't have equality is because of men. And it immediately makes a part of, like, half the population defensive. Yes. Like, and even if somebody is an ally to women and wants to be equal, the minute they think that they're being threatened and that their morality or their interest or their well being or anything is being threatened, it's too difficult for some anybody to step outside of that and and be like well they're not talking about me they're right not all men so i need to ensure that i make visible it just always seems like an attack Mm -hmm. like and it's i think this is a wrong perception but it does seem like an attack on men in order to raise up women you do have to attack men i mean that is ultimately what's responsible for us being on a, a lower level than they're responsible for that And so we can't raise ourselves up, I don't think, without criticizing them and and acknowledging their responsibility in our place in society. And that doesn't mean that I hate men. (laughs) Like, like I don't. But, like, but you you have to do that. If you're not acknowledging it, then... I keep going back to this idea that, like, the internet... The internet provides lots of content around this. Unlike other social issues, women's equality proposes the largest threat to our everyday existence. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason why like the hashtag Black Lives Matter has created such interest is because changing the racial dynamic in the United States in particular will have a detrimental impact on 
people financially. Yeah. Like, it will change everybody's quality of life for good, for better, for whatever. If women had global equality, the economic shift, a bunch of men are not going to let their whole lives change. And people can fundamentally think that everybody should be equal, but the problem is that there's no amount of hashtags or memes or internet transparency and visibility you can create that I think will let somebody decide that they are willing to take the risk of changing the way they exist in the world. And I think that other social issues have had more success because they didn't fundamentally change the way we live. You create, you legalize gay marriage, nothing's different. Right, well, because the gay white man who wants to marry another gay white man was already at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> well, not at the very top. Yeah. But, and, like, like two women marrying each other isn't going to topple that either. No. If I'm viewed competitively for a job the same way a man is, and I'm compensated the same way a man is, and I'm get the choice of education and all the things that a man does like it does change the dynamic and men have to relinquish some of their power let's see if the internet can accomplish that (laughs) though the lgbt um issues and like the black lives matter not that that has been like solved and either of them have been solved in any way but that like the exposure that they've they've been able to generate a, a larger community which in turn helps support their issues and causes and helps create traction. But if the internet hasn't done that for feminism, what is going to do that? That's what I wonder, because the internet has made such a large impact in every other space. I don't know what platform could. No, that's sad. That's like a dire note to end our (laughs) podcast on. We were really funny in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) So on that somber note, (laughs) thanks so much for the conversation, Georgie, and thanks for joining me today. You guys can find Georgie at? On Instagram at GeorgieGirl84. And on Twitter? Georgie underscore Anne. Thanks again for joining me. Yes, of course. This was awesome. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. We covered a lot of controversial topics, so make sure to continue the conversation on Twitter at and the internet, and on the blog at leeandtheinternet.com.